text this morning is from John 5, 1 through 15. And so please um, give your attention um, as I read this word of the Lord from the Gospel of John. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. And when the water is stirred, and while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath, and so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Thus far, the word of the Lord. Well, one of the things that inevitably most of us probably do um, during a break is um, catch up on doing things that we've been too busy to do um, during our regular routine. And so for me, that was taking care of getting both of our cars I'm fixed in different ways. My wife's car needed new tires, and my car, the engine light had been on for weeks, and I hadn't had a chance to actually take it in and figure out what was going on. And so I found myself, um, the last few days, I'm sitting in um, mechanic waiting rooms, um, and inevitably what you do when you're doing that is watch whatever TV is on right in that waiting area. And I came across the show that I had never seen before, but somehow right away I knew that's a sermon illustration. <laughs> but have any of you seen the TLC show called My Strange Addiction? Has anybody seen that show? It's basically a show about people's really bizarre addictions. And the show that I happened to watch was about a woman whose mother had died, and then in her grief, and then who knows well, uh, well, what else was going on. She actually began um, to eat drywall okay, as a way to cope with everything that was going on. And so for seven years, um, she had been eating drywall every day and even going and shopping for and, and learning which kinds of drywall <laughs> tasted better to her than others. And of course, she was so ashamed about what she was doing that she didn't tell anybody. For seven years, kept doing this until finally, part of the whole idea behind the show, and we'll talk about the truth of that, is that um, they get 
these people who have these really strange addictions to reveal to a friend, to somebody, what it is that's been happening, and then seek help. The friend tries to get them um, to seek help. And as I was watching this, waiting for my car to be repaired, I asked myself, why is it that this show is so transfixing or intriguing or something that I couldn't actually turn from as I began to watch it? And I realized that um, those bizarre addictions do something for us in terms of um, I, I think that any kind of thing like that helps us to feel better, right, about ourselves. Well, at least, okay, at least I'm not eating drywall, okay? But the truth is, we wouldn't even have to think that if the reality wasn't also that all of us are addicted in some way. And I'm sure that many of you may go, recoil from that, but the truth is all of us persist in some kind of unhealth because it's what we know, because it's safe, because somehow, like a blanket, it provides security. And that is the beginning of what this passage is about in terms of the healing that Jesus does in this man's life. And so as we begin to unpack this passage, I'm just kind of keep that in the backdrop. So Jesus encounters this man at Bethesda, which many of us have probably heard that word before. My mom actually worked as a mental health nurse at a hospital in South Denver called Bethesda that was started by the Reformed Church because Bethesda has become known and as a place of healing, not only um, in the first century, but even now. And then the interesting thing about that is that Bethesda, um, as it's presented in John's gospel, isn't necessarily probably the kind of model um, that the hospital that my mom worked at um, was going for, right? Bethesda had, we're told, five colonnades. In other words, these places where people could come and be and sit. And then a verse, um, the verse four in this passage doesn't appear in lots of translations um, because it's in some manuscripts and not others. But the, the verse four says that an angel would come and stir the waters. And as Maggie said, make bubbles. And then it was believed that whoever was able to get into the pool first um, would be healed. And so this whole kind of industry, okay, right? We know this because we experience all of, the, all of this all the time. And practically a tourist attraction okay, arose around this pool at Bethesda. And I'm sure that some people were healed, but many, many more were probably taken advantage of in all kinds of ways um, as that happened. And so Jesus comes along to Bethesda and hears about this man, and it says that he gave special attention and was intrigued because he had been an invalid for 38 years. In other words, for a long time. 
And we don't know if he had been at Bethesda that entire time. We don't know if he was born with the condition that he had. We don't know if it was something that happened to him through an accident or something later in life. But we do, what we do know is that he had been there for a long time. And we also know that his being there for a long time is what caught Jesus's attention. So that he turns aside and he asks him one of the most interesting questions, I think, in John's gospel. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And the invalid, right, like lots of people, doesn't really answer the question, right? He tells Jesus why it is that he hasn't gotten well. I have no one to help me down into the pool when the waters are stirred. And so people always get their before me. Whenever I try, right? whenever I try, somebody gets there before me and we can imagine that eventually the trying stops, right? He keeps trying, keeps trying, and it never seems to work or to happen, and who knows? Um, how long he had been there, and at times when the pool was stirred, um, didn't even bother. Why bother? Why bother? Thirty-eight years, can you imagine? One of the things that I think God is telling us in and through this passage, thirty-eight years... And he never is able to make it into the pool before someone else. What does that tell us about healing and about wholeness? One of the things that most keeps us from being healed and being made whole is our selfishness. Other people were so wanting to be healed that they wanted to get there first so that for 38 years, he always came in second or third or fourth or whatever it may have been. And so one of the things that I think that Jesus was drawn to about this man and why he was there was exactly that because Jesus wants to teach not only this man but us something about healing. And so one of the things that we need to always remember about healing and about wholeness is that we are not well as long as there is somebody else who isn't well. As healthy as we may be, as much as we may focus on our health, and as a culture, we do that in all kinds of ways. But we will never truly, fully, completely be well as long as there are others who are unwell. And so our healing comes in helping others and in helping them be made whole as well.
And then Jesus, after asking him this question and not really getting an answer, um, does something that's also interesting and unusual in this passage. He basically gives a command, right? He doesn't really give the guy much option. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly he is healed and he picks up his mat um, and he walks. In other words, Jesus is saying, get moving, right? Don't just keep sitting here. Even though you're having been here for 38 years, maybe what you know and what is safe, um, even if you're eating something toxic, somehow it helps you and you keep doing it because of how it keeps helping you, but you're stuck where you are. And so Jesus says, get up and walk. And then what happens? Right, immediately after this, the question is, right, from the Pharisees to this man, don't you know? The law says you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. And the man says, well, the guy who healed me told me to carry it. <laughs> so, and then he realizes that he doesn't even know who it was that healed him. But again, Jesus is teaching us something about healing in and through this situation and in and through even the Pharisees. The Pharisees are far more concerned about keeping their system of rules than they are about somebody's well-being. And so the system doesn't necessarily have your wholeness and your well-being in mind. And that's true not only of the Pharisaic system, but all kinds of systems. Because we are fallen people, the systems that we create tend to perpetuate unhealth rather than actually taking care of it, again, because it becomes what we know and what is safe and even what you can make money on. And so if we are to be made whole, we need to join Jesus in saying, that needs to change. That needs to be fixed. Start walking because things need to be different. It is a new day that I am bringing into the world. And it not only means the healing of individuals, but the healing of systems. And then Jesus encounters the man again after he tells the Pharisees, I don't know who it was that healed me. And he says one of, I think, the most intriguing and challenging things about this whole passage. He meets the man and he says to him, stop sinning so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And we should all go, what? <laughs> because just a couple steps down the road, Jesus tells the disciples when they say, who sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, well, what does sin have to do with it? But there's something about this man 
and his situation. And again, I, the only thing we have to go on in the passage is it was a long time. And so I think that what Jesus is telling the man and what he's telling us in all kinds of ways is you got so used to the way things were that you didn't look forward to and think about the way things could be and what I wanted for you, my child, your wholeness. Sin is a lot of things, but one of the things that sin is is settling for less when God wants more for us and wants us to be made holes in, in ways that we probably don't even understand or know because we find where we are in our own health so secure and safe and that we can't even see it. We can't even begin to move towards it. And so Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Stop settling for the way things are because I have come to make them new. And so the question for us, I think, is the exact same question as to the invalid. Do you want to be well? I know for me, I realize that there are all kinds of ways in which I do the exact same thing. It may not be something as bizarre as eating drywall, <laughs> But there are all kinds of ways in which I persist in my unhealth because it's what I know, because it's safe. And I need to hear Jesus saying to me, do you want to be made well? Walk into the new day that I have prepared for you and into the wholeness that that means. Because healing isn't about always what, right? The people were focused on the pool. Somehow the pool was the source of healing, but the healing was who? Who was it that made you well? Jesus made me well. So may you respond to Jesus' do you want to be well? with faith and courage to say, yes, and I know that you can make me well. May it be so. Amen.